from the Jesuits of Canada and the United States. This is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Lent is just around the corner, and there are so many vivid symbols of this liturgical season. You've got ashes and palms and purple stuff everywhere. There are no alleluias, no glorias at mass. There's no meat at the Friday fish fry. One of my favorite Lenten symbols, though, is the CRS rice bowl. Those little cardboard boxes we fill with cash to support the work of Catholic Relief Services overseas. It's easy to grab a rice bowl, fill it up, and turn it in without thinking twice about where our money is going. My guest today can help us fill in the gaps and learn about the incredible work going on in about 100 countries around the world on behalf of Catholics in the United States. Bill O'Keefe is CRS's Executive Vice President for Mission and Mobilization. He oversees the agency's efforts to build a movement of Catholics and others of goodwill to support CRS's global mission and build action-oriented global solidarity with the poor, vulnerable, and marginalized people around the world. These efforts include lobbying, Congress, and the administration on a range of foreign policy issues, and engaging U.S. Catholics in public campaigns to change U.S. foreign policy in ways that promote justice and reduce poverty overseas. I asked Bill to share some of the most inspiring things he's seen CRS working on around the world firsthand, and how our faith inspires us to care for all who are suffering, no matter where they live. In the days since I talked with Bill, we have seen the unimaginable destruction from the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. You can visit CRS.org to see how CRS and their partners are responding to the incredible amount of need in those countries. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get podcasts, and thanks for joining us. Well, Bill O'Keefe, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? I am great, Mike. Thanks. Uh, thanks for including me. This is really a wonderful opportunity. Really glad to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited to to have you. And not only because I have to say, as a um, as our disclosure ahead of time, not just because you work with my wife and our uh, and the team she's on, and kind of uh, a superior person to her on the team, and so can can make her life better or worse depending on uh, how you're feeling. So I hope this goes very well um, for her sake and our family harmony's sake. So. Um, We'll get that out of the way at the beginning. Uh, but I am excited to talk to you, irrespective of that, because I've been connected with Catholic Relief Services for a while, really interested in your work. And my last job at a diocese, I was the, like the point person for CRS. and just think the work you're doing is awesome. And so excited to connect folks with, with that and to hear a little bit about uh, yourself, too, and your own your own faith and, and Jesuit connections. Um, so maybe we could just start if you could, like if you find, I know you find yourself on trains and planes and all kinds of places, elevators. Uh, and people might ask you what you do and kind of end up describing what CRS is. So like, what's the elevator or airplane description of uh, what, what CRS is for folks who might have heard of it but are not too familiar? Um, so CRS is the American Catholic Community's International Relief and Development Organization. So in all countries outside of the United States, on behalf of the church in the U.S., we are responding to basic human needs, helping communities develop, and really trying to address root causes of social injustice and poverty too. So 
Um, and we've been doing this since 1943 and were created by the bishops of the U.S. and have a board of bishops and committed lay people who guide us in in that work. And and we have fantastic employees like your wife working for us. And I have, uh, you don't have to worry at all. She stands uh, stands tall as a just an incredible committed human being. And it's, um, you know, it's an honor for me to know her. And it's an, really wonderful for me to get to know you too. Yeah, absolutely. I and endorsed that message. Um, I also, I think like sometimes I know for me, like now this is getting to know CRS, it was helpful to think like, well, it kind of is a almost a sister organization, I guess, to Catholic charities, which would be kind of working more on domestic questions of justice and charity. And uh, so CRS focusing exclusively overseas in its relief work, though, engaging Catholics in the U.S. in that work. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes, I don't, I don't know if you ever hear this question. I get, I would get this question occasionally. You know, people would say, um, oh, there are like so many problems here at home. Like, why should we care about what's going on in other places? Or shouldn't like those people handle it? And we focus first here on at home. And so would always have to kind of answer that question. I'm sure you get that question. And I, I wonder like kind of what your what your typical response is about, like, why is it that we kind of go uh, away from our own borders? So that's a great question. For for Catholics, my answer is that we um, we don't have the luxury of choosing in Catholic teaching, and that, uh, as Jesus, mm. I think, made clear, who our neighbor is 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 a very broad uh, definition. Our neighbor is not just the the person who happens to live next door to us, but is any human being, all of whom are created in the image and likeness and God have and have a have a call on our conscience and our moral responsibility. And so um the second point I make is we live in an incredibly rich society and we have the resources if we chose we could help all the poor people in the United States tomorrow. I mean, the problem is not a lack of wealth. It's a distribution problem. And so we can solve our problems within the United States if we choose to and have plenty left over to help uh, help those around the world. So I try to avoid the um, the, 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 the sort of logical trap of, uh, we, you know, we can only do one thing at a time and then um, point to to the Catholic teaching uh, around, you know, kind of who is our neighbor and our global responsibilities. I, I always sometimes say that I'm uh, terrified that we will find life on Mars because if we do, CRS is going to have to uh, respond to the needs of, of, of the Martians because uh, that is our calling. Yeah. And in my experience with folks asking that question, sometimes in good faith, but a lot of the time it's like, well, the folks who are asking that question are not ones who are doing a lot locally anyway, that those who are working, doing a lot of work locally are also kind of understand the international implications, especially, you know, folks who are connected with their faith communities have that vague sense. It may be if they can't describe it in terms of Catholic social teaching or have that sense like the goodness we are called to bring into the world has to go beyond just my immediate circle. And so I guess, the other thing, Mike, now, quickly. Kind of taking, oh, go ahead. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, just su super quickly. I mean, yeah. the other thing is, of course, all these issues are interconnected. So we can't actually address increasingly domestic issues without addressing the global 
side. So climate change, for example, is an obvious example. Um, immigration, an obvious example. There's lots of examples like that where it's not a um, a one uh, a one or the other. It really has to be a both end. Anyway. Yeah, no, and I, I think climate change is a fascinating example because a, a lot of the the issues connected to climate degradation or the, the, the warming, the release of CO2, you know, you can trace a lot of that back to, to us in the U.S. and a lot of these developed countries. And the, but the impacts we see are often in places around the world that are already facing poverty. And like, so the, the impact of people who are already on the margins and who become climate refugees. And these are some of the things we can talk about, but can see those, how our actions on this side in so many ways in our own daily lives and the political decisions we make end up affecting people around the world. Um, again, who often don't have the the resources we do to to respond. Um, so when I'm thinking about the international scene today, I, the first thing that comes to mind, I think, for a lot of us is um, is situation in U Ukraine uh, and and the, and the war going on there. And just curious if CRS is involved there, or connected with any of your, your partners there, and kind of what you're hearing uh, about what's happening there and the work of CRS and your your partners. Uh, there on the ground. Yeah, I mean, thanks. Thanks for asking. The um, one of the really wonderful things about being a part of CRS is being a part of the global church. And what I mean by that is um, Ukraine has a very strong and capable Caritas organization, which is basically their equivalent of Catholic Charities. And what we did even before uh, February 24th, 2022, we, of course, didn't know what was going to happen, but saw that things could really go south. And we sent uh, a team of people to, uh, and also advanced a significant amount of money to Caritas Ukraine, and, and with the goal of helping them to prepare to scale up really exponentially if the situation uh, went south. And of course, it, it did. Russia invaded. And uh, but uh, we are incredibly proud of the 28 or 29 diocesan Caritas organizations in Ukraine, which have, with the exception of one or two that were completely taken over, um, have continued to, throughout this whole war, with assistance from CRS and other groups, provide food and shelter and medicine, living supplies, and, and psychosocial trauma care. Uh, as you would imagine, there's just a an unbelievable amount of psychological stress and trauma people have experienced. Uh, we've helped with Caritas over 3.7 million people. Uh, we also have uh, CRS staff who are in Ukraine in different places and are um, accompanying and helping to strengthen the capacity of, uh, of Caritas so that they can really do this amazing work. In the areas, the countries around Ukraine also really, all of them except for Russia, of course, we are supporting the local church to house, shelter, uh, provide for all those refugees um, that have that have uh, fled to those countries and help them to try to figure out how to, how to meet those needs, which have been changing throughout the last year as, as, as the situation is, has, has evolved. Um, it's a really good example, I think, of, of, of what being a part of this amazing organism, which is the Global Catholic Church, 
uh, provides the opportunity to um, to respond. And I think other groups, Ukraine, of course, is I was there in 2016 after the 2014 war, and and which of course has actually been ongoing continually till now uh, in the east, and was just amazed by how developed the country was on the one hand, but then how much need there was and how much help they needed in addressing that need. So it's super interesting uh, situation, and obviously just exploding needs and an unpredictable future. Sure. Yeah, no, that is, I think, a powerful witness, though, the sense that responding to the signs of the times and the needing then can this global church and having sometimes it feels like, oh, this church is it's so big. It is like uh, it's so hard to change. It takes so long. Is such a big thing. But that's like when there are immediate needs, the the shifting and the, the quick response uh, time is really amazing to think like you could have some people who could you could send there to help do some training again the resources there like the way that that then can turn to different places where where needs are and, and respond to that just like really feels like on un, so unparalleled be able to go to most places and think and that's one thing i really love about what i've learned about crs is they often when you're around the world it's not that we're like sending our like only like Americans in like with parachutes to say like, oh, let us show you the way. But that supporting local communities and the staffs in so many countries are local people natives to that, those, that country um, who are collaborating uh, to, they know the needs best in their own communities and, and working together to, to address them. Um, so yeah, that kind of sense of collaboration is just comes out really strongly, I think. Yeah, and accompaniment. And I think um, um, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, his talk about, or his kind of, light motif about encounter and accompaniment uh the the sort of the humanity of that bit where work is rooted in relationship is something that i think is we take seriously and comes from being again a part of the a part of the church there are caritas just to use caritas ukraine as an example what what they had an institutional presence but what they really had was relationships relationships with people who could respond people who did respond um, and that's, I think, what's that powerful web of global relationships that we're a part of is, is um, to me anyway, and, you know, I'm no theolo theologian, which should be obvious, but like, that's the Holy Spirit at work, um, that web of people committed together to help each other. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. Yeah. And we know, like, so often, the U.S. in general, I feel like as Americans, like, we're not always the best at like caring about what's happening in other places, kind of like self-centered. Um, and uh, if, the, if we are going to pay attention to international stories, I think too often it's like whatever the one is that's sucking up most of the, the oxygen. So again, obviously the need in Ukraine is, is great and severe and requires the response. But we know too, let me think about it, that the issues that are going on around the world and the important work of CRS in the hundred or so countries where you're working uh, if not right on the front page of the paper, at the top of our like news feeds, like is still really vital. And so I was wondering if we could, if you could maybe talk a little bit about some of that, like that work that isn't doesn't get the spotlight all the time, but is still like really uh, inspiring and um, that your makes you you know proud to be uh, a yeah. part of CRS. I, you, before we started talking, um, yeah, you mentioned so, uh, your visit to uh, Burkina Faso uh, last summer, and maybe some of the work going on there uh, in that part of the world. Yeah, so um, <laughs> uh, 
Burkina Faso is an absolutely wonderful country that almost nobody's heard of. It's in um, uh, Central West Africa. Uh, it's a, a incredibly wonderful place, fantastic people, but really poor. And right now, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Mali, three neighboring countries, are experiencing a uh, an unbelievable amount of civil strife, and it's. The causes are complicated, and we'd have to have a whole nother podcast about that. But the moral of the story is there's there's extremist groups that are driving are, are taking advantage of uh, divisions in the society already and kind of government failure to provide services in remote areas and 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 have started up just a, a whole bunch of insurgency and and violent extremism that has displaced two million people. Um, in, in Burkina Faso. And you would think like 2 million people, that's a lot of people. And yet pretty much nobody has heard of this problem. We, um, three years ago, two and a half years ago, got a call from the bishops of those three countries who said, we see that this situation is really going, uh, is, is going in the wrong direction. and We need your help. And can you help us to address these needs and then to bring our voice to the governments and to your government, the United States government, to try to uh, bring attention to this crisis and do something about it. And so we committed to a project where we are helping the church to respond to the humanitarian crisis on the ground, the millions of displaced people. We are helping the church to work with local Islamic leaders to strengthen the social cohesion in those vulnerable villages where people have been living together in spite of differences of faith for many years. But again, these extremist groups are finding ways to drive wedges between communities. So we're uh, a lot of work on social cohesion at the community level. And then, as I mentioned, um, helping the bishops to articulate their view, which essentially boils down to, this is not a military problem. This is a governance problem. This is an, a social justice problem, an equity problem. And, uh, and it's been really exciting to be a part of when I was out there in June, it was for uh, the first kind of in-person post-pandemic gathering of the bishops uh, to, to kind of revisit their strategy. And it was just incredibly powerful. And the things that I took away are one, um, they are making progress in the, those three areas that I mentioned. Two, they have this real concern, which I really found inspiring for the rest, for all the neighboring countries. And they wanted to tell their brother bishops in Ghana and Britain and in Benin and in Togo and in Nigeria and in, in Ivory Coast that we didn't think this problem was going to come to us and it did. And we want you to know if you think this isn't a problem that's going to happen to you, it's going to if you don't take certain steps. And so um, they had this kind of evangelical passion for sharing their lessons and their worries and we're really trying to help them to do that. So it's just, I think, uh, an example of kind of how CRS tries to approach 
a big problem holistically at the human need level and then at the root cause level. Hmm. Yeah, peace building, interfaith relations, working to help connect church leaders with those in political power in different places. It does feel like it kind of is a lot of things happening at once there. And I'm curious, so when you're around the world and visiting and you're meeting these faith leaders and learning about the churches there, um, again, I think sometimes in America, we think of the American church, like, you know, it's old, established. We have the president, we have Supreme Court justices, the Catholic churches, despite, you know, some challenges we face, still like a big player uh, on like the local scene and people know what it is and respect it. Um, but just what is your your uh, perspective on seeing the church is work in places where it might not be kind of as big of a, a political force or have as much um, clout? Um, no. yeah, just curious about your perspective on that. I, the amazing thing to me is how much clout in a positive way the church has in where it's an incredible minority. And I'll give you um, two examples. The first is in Ethiopia, my boss, the head of Sierra Sean Callahan, um, over the summer or in the early fall was meeting with, was in Ethiopia. He met with the president of the country, with the um, head of the Episcopal Conference, the Catholic Episcopal Conference there. And in, they opened up the meeting and said, you know, Catholics are 1% of the population in Ethiopia. And the president said, president of Ethiopia said, wait a minute, but you're helping everyone. You're doing the lion's share of, you know, the, 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 the social services work. How can you only be 1% of the population? And, and I think the, the minority church frequently punches way above its weight. In Ethiopia, CRS is assisting the church to assist to feed five million people, and it goes up and down by a million people, you know, depending on the time because of the just recurring drought and conflicts there. It's, um, it's really kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of unbelievable. And I think, and another example that's different, but I like to talk about is in Afghanistan. I mean, there is no Catholic church in Afghanistan, literally, like, like, or, or there's a handful of indigenous Catholics. And when I say handful, I mean, like, you could probably count them on a couple of hands. Um, but when Sierra established itself in the, after the uh, 2001, after 9-11 there, and we were providing assistance, uh, we, we were doing our work. And at some point, um, uh, when, when Pope John Paul II died, um, the leaders of the Islamic community in Harat, which is where our main office was, came to our office and said, and delivered a, a letter that said, we understand that your leader has died and we want you to know we're sorry. Um, and I just find that very powerful because it's what is it? It's a sign of mutual respect of the role of the church. And what we found in Afghanistan is um, that people there, which is it's a very religious society, obviously one that's you know one could the, the complicated, lots of issues, lots of problems. But there's a respect for people and groups that do things on the basis of faith, and so. I think we've been able to help there because, to to a certain extent, because we're Catholic, 
And because they see that and we're motivated by faith and are part of something that is driven by a belief in a transcendent God and in the value of every human being. And so those are just some examples, I think, different ones, but of how the CRS and the church in situations that, that you might think would be invisible um, makes a contribution. Yeah, I, that's a, like a really neat examples. And I you think too about how in both of those cases, it's CRS and partners serving people who are not Catholic overwhelmingly, right? Is that it's not the, the recipients or would not be co-religionists, but that the the work of like that kind of accompaniment encounter extends beyond those those borders, which so often in the world feel like like they, they really kind of, you know, set up these very strong divisions that are hard to overcome, uh, but kind of seeing that every day uh, in that work there. Yeah, that's, that. I mean, right on. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly, and that's what we're trying to do, actually. So to, to cross those borders and to bring people together. Hmm. I know a lot of the work that CRS does is super creative in terms of approaching problems in new ways and working with local communities. And I'm just thinking of my, when my wife traveled to Kenya with CRS and getting to see in this kind of remote village, a community coming together to create this kind of loan, loan lending community to help support each other in like different entrepreneurial projects. And it wasn't really even using a bank. It was literally just people bringing their own savings, lending them at a low interest rate, and then people could withdraw from the communities. Uh, funds that way, like really powerful, really creative. And so just wondering for you, like now, as you get a, a sense of what's going on, if you have any cool stories of like just super creative responses to to needs that uh, people might be interested to hear about. Yeah. No, um, I am constantly amazed by my colleagues and it's, uh, it's humbling to work at CRS, I find, because, um, you know, I'm in leadership, but I consider myself a lot dumber than most of the people who are working for us around the world i can tell you um it's it's really a fantastic team let me give uh, a couple quick examples i was in madagascar a little bit before the pandemic and visited a program we're calling spices and the basic idea or let me set it up there madagascar is a, a place that has had um incredible deforestation and there's uh you know some remaining forest areas and the challenge of preserving those forest areas is very much interlinked with the challenge of meeting the needs of the communities who live around the forest and for a variety of reasons communities traditionally and recently have been infringing on the forest in order to hunt and in order to harvest spices what we call spices but but you know kind of fruits and crops that grow in the, um, uh, in the canopy of the forest. And they end up doing so in a not sustainable way, like pulling down black pepper vines in a way that, 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 that then that cutting down a tree to get the black pepper vine to harvest it to earn income. Well, and so the forest is just gradually shrinking. So we've been working with those communities on uh, harvesting the same spices, but in ways that not only preserve, but actually start to expand again the forest so that they see that preserving the forest becomes a community value for their long-term livelihoods rather than destroying the forest. And the goal of the project is to reforest from this particular 
island in the kind of in the eastern part of Madagascar, all the way 60 miles to the ocean. And so we're working to build with those communities that understanding and then to help share agricultural techniques that, again, uh, incentivize preserving and building the forest as opposed to taking it down. And so there's the creative part is the the agricultural side of it and uh, like different varieties of, of black pepper, vanilla harvesting, all this kind of cool stuff if you're an agriculturalist. But the other creative thing is the community. I mean, it's the people side where the real creativity is needed because it's, um, uh, you know, the, the history of international development is littered with good technology that isn't used uh, or isn't relevant in the local community context. So it's that's really, I think, the, the secret sauce of, um, of a successful activity of the type I'm talking about. Where you're mixed, you're 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 bringing together the human development and the kind of technology or technique or or whatever it is. Um, and it was just great to see. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the world, irreplaceable um, biodiversity, and then uh, incredible nutrition and human needs, also all being addressed at the same time. Yeah, that really reminds me of was it Francis talks about integral ecology a lot, the sense of like that hearing the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor, those things together again, and that any kind of, if that deforestation were to happen, then future generations wouldn't be able to live with the land the same way, wouldn't be able to earn a living uh, in the same way. And so addressing the, that, the hurt of the earth and the hurt of the people at the same time ends up lifting up everyone uh, and planning for you know, future generations. So that's a, that's a cool example of, of how those go together. You know, I think for us, mo most of us, and I suspect most of your listeners are in some like urban or suburban environment in a, like, you know, I'm sitting here in a nice house and I'm, uh, go about my life. I go to a grocery store to buy food. I don't intrinsically experience that integral ecology. The, you know, my life and the environment, the environment is sort of out there. If you are most people around the world, you get that at a very, very basic level. You are living in, in an integral part of the environment. Your food, your water doesn't come from other people through pipes. It comes directly from the ground through your labor. And I think we, we have a lot to do to really kind of, um, and I think the Spices Project, I, I, I really appreciate what you're saying. It demonstrates what the Holy Father is trying to say that I think is kind of gets lost on some people. It just doesn't sort of ring because that's frankly not our experience. We are really cut off from a lot of those basics. And, and I would just say the people who we're working with around the world are not. And on climate change, for example, you know, we go around in the Congress and, and sometimes we meet people who are not necessarily supporters of addressing climate change. And what I say is, look, we can have a philosophical discussion until the cows come home, but the truth is everywhere we work, you meet a farmer and they tell you the climate has changed out from under them. It's just a fact. So, and, and then I'll, you know, rattle off some stories and, um, because they're experiencing the brokenness of our integral ecology in real time right now.
Hmm. I think that's a, a good transition to really what the, a lot of your work is at CRS. And you're, I know you've been there 35 years. Uh, and so and a lot of the work you've done more recently is on that kind of US facing side. So again, while the majority of the work CRS is doing is overseas, as we've been talking about, there's also work to mobilize US Catholics to do fundraising here, and then also to advocate in halls of power to see how our country especially can help support our brothers and sisters around the world. So um, so I'm curious about kind of that work that you're doing, talking about meeting with congressmen and women and, and people in the executive branch and getting into politics. And that's another hot button. So they say not to talk about religion or politics in play company, but we can talk about both here on the podcast. That's fine. Um, so just talk a little bit about the legislative work that CRS does um, why, in addition to like going overseas and doing these pro programs like Spices, are you also having these meetings with legislators? What are some of the things you're talking to them about these days? So, yeah, give us an overview if you could. Great. Yeah, no. Um, so there was a meeting in 1993, and I'll never forget this moment. We were uh, uh, people from around the world from CRS were gathering and we were kind of looking at the time at just the our work and then the confluence of, of, of global events that we were facing. And, and there was a feeling of being overwhelmed. And somebody stood up and said, um, everything that we're doing is great, but if we don't address what our government is doing, it risks being a drop in the bucket. You know, the, 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 and at the time, what our government was doing in terms of like peace and security, uh, creating wars rather than preventing them, um, you know, contributing to hunger rather than addressing it and just not doing enough. This uh, became part of our mission, really, that if we want to help the people who in, in, you know, in Ethiopia, who we are the 5 million people who we're providing food to, we've got to get the U.S. government also to do more to invest in sustainable agriculture in Ethiopia. And so we really have taken that on uh, as part of our mission. And I'm, you know, I've had the honor of kind of heading up that work. And, um, but that's why, that's why we, we're doing it. Our, our goal is to build constructive bipartisan solutions to bring people around these serious issues and try to get them to take uh, to take actions around climate change, global hunger, global poverty, and then, you know, a bunch of other kind of more country related, more specific issues. But it's a pretty big dance card, I will say. Um, but I think we have a lot to offer because, um, one, we do have all this experience and we have a lot to share. We have these amazing staff and amazing partners around the world who can really kind of tell it like it is and what's really happening and what really needs to be done about it. And then the Catholic community in the United States, as Mike, you alluded to earlier, it's pretty influential. And so if we can get Catholics involved in advocating for smart, common sense solutions to global poverty, um, my experience is most members of Congress, and you know, we could all probably come up with some exceptions, but most actually are really good people, and if given the opportunity, will do the right thing. 
And so it's kind of like explaining what the right thing is and then providing some political support so they can do the right thing and not feel like, you know, they're going to get attacked for it. So that's more or less what we're trying to do. And you know, we certainly are members of Congress, not to mention just Catholics in general on all sides of every issue, right, across like on both sides of the aisle. And I wonder if you feel like there are times in which you see how CRS and working with other Catholic partners, especially has access to folks who like people on the other side might not be able to talk to you. can talk to more people than certain NGOs or can talk to more people than even some members of Congress who don't want to talk to each other across the aisle. But that the, the church can be a bridge that way. Have you have you felt that? Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of, uh, I mean, it's amusing a little bit to me because many of the other sort of nonprofits, NGOs, um, exist in a democratic bubble. And uh, whenever there is, and this is happening right now, whenever there's a, uh, uh, you know, a branch of the government moves into the Republican orbit, we get, um, we get calls from people like, uh, you know, who should we talk to? Uh, who, 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 you know, can you help us with Republicans? And I think, I really think that, that that is a mistake on their part, but I, I do for us, we really believe very strongly. I mean, there is no, nothing gets done if there aren't Democrats and Republicans and Republicans and Democrats. And, and it's just, and if you want to build long-term support for something, a sort of monopartisan approach just gets reversed when the next uh, the next guy or, or girl or whatever comes into power. So it's just really important if you really care about helping people around the world that you that it's it's embedded in a broader support. And we but we do we kind of get seen as uh, someone who can do that and um and we work really hard at that. Um, you know, not participating in the toxic partisanship, which so imbues a lot of the discourse. Sure. So and you mentioned, so there are conversations you're having, staff is having with, you know, this, at those grass tops levels, but also working with Catholics around the country to encourage them to be involved in advocacy as well. And so that's a good transition for maybe you could talk a little bit about if our listeners want to get involved with, with the work of CRS on an ongoing basis from, you know, their own homes here. Like what are some ways that, that folks can do that? Awesome. So there's a bunch of ways. I mean, first of all, I think uh, I'm going to say your audience is going to be a highly engaged group of people probably already um, in terms of concerns about social justice. And we are building uh, communities of supporters, which we're calling chapters around the country, who want, who are people who are coming together as a community based on faith to work on um, these issues uh, with CRS around social justice and poverty. And so um, if, if folks are interested in learning more about that and um, either joining a chapter in their area or starting one themselves, uh, it's, they can text 67768 and then just put in the message CRS space chapters, and then they'll, that'll Give them a link, and they can they can um, take a look and see what they think, and certainly invite them. Those who want to just like uh, read more on our website, crs.org, there's an action center, and uh, folks can sign up to participate in 
um, our uh, email blasts and, and 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 write emails and stuff like that. But you know, kind of more importantly, I think it's it's um, uh, and I should say also, of course, uh, those who want to contribute financially on our website can as well. But more importantly, I think talking to fellow Catholics, talking to your your pastor about the work of the church globally and trying to figure out how to support it, I think it's just incredibly valuable that um, uh, we're, you know, we've been described by bishops as the best kept secret in the church, but who wants to be a secret uh, if it's any good? So, you know, we're trying to like take the, the bushel off the light and uh, we need help from Catholics in order to do that. So, but we're really, I think, trying to build a movement of people who are committed to working with us to address these problems. And we have a, 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 a belief that comes from our faith and from our experience that we really can and do make a difference by addressing these root causes. No, that's great. And we can link to those things uh, in our show notes as well uh, for folks to get. And before I let you go, I, I did want to, since it was the Jesuit podcast, have to ask you a little bit about your Jesuit roots. You've been at CRS pretty much your entire career uh, and curious for you about how your Jesuit education and also your, your faith, your Catholic faith kind of inspires you to kind of continue in this work. And so a little bit about your own, uh, your own background and how you. Yeah. So I, I went, uh, you know, I was raised Catholic and I went for high school to Loyola Academy in Wilmette, Illinois, Jesuit High School. And and I really took very seriously what I learned uh, that to be a person for others and that that was how one found meaning in life and how one found work that was vocational. And um, my mother, Definitely was a also helpful in motivating me uh, to think of whatever gifts God has given me as things to be used for the benefit of others and not just for myself. And so I, but the my experience at at Loyal Academy absolutely uh, pointed me in the direction of um, of a of a career of service. And I went to college, and when I was done, I decided I wanted to work for the Catholic Church globally and. I went, got a master's degree, and then CRS came and recruited, and I got hired, and that was that. That was 35 years ago. And so in terms of my faith, you know, it's been a journey for me. I, When people say, are you, ask if I'm a practicing Catholic, I say, yes, in the sense that I'm practicing to try to be a better Catholic. Um, and, and I say that in all humility, I, I am a faithful Catholic, but I'm, you know, it's, it's, I've had the amazing opportunity at CRS to deepen my faith through encounter with people of courage and of deep faith who are trying to help their brother and sister. And so I, I've been given these role models from my colleagues around the world, and I, you know, try to try to aspire to 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 what they're doing with their lives. I, um, in terms of just. The church, the last thing I'll say here is, um, you know, these problems that we're facing as a human community are tough and they're big and they're hard. Um, climate change is a big and a tough topic. And so to me, to have hope requires uh, 
uh, that you have faith in a model of change, which is that, you know, things don't change incrementally. One day there's a Berlin Wall, the next day they're not. One day there's apartheid, the next day there's not. All these problems, I believe, and my faith tells me, we can move the needle, but it's going to take time and it's going to take commitment. And what keeps me going is, I hope, uh, you know, a love of God's people and 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 the love that God um, has shared with me through this work. So I, I don't know how I would get up in the morning without my faith. And I don't know, I certainly don't know how I would do my job because it's, it's um, you know, it's been 35 years of dealing with genocide and suffering and, and um, but it's really been a pretty much a joyful experience. So, yeah. Well, that's, a, I think, a great place to end. And thank you so much for, for taking the time and for your, I think, great example of witness of, of faith and action and bringing those stories to us from around the world. And I think it's something, yeah, really that we can be can be proud of as American Catholics and just Catholics in, in general that our, our church is, is out doing this work, often again away from the spotlight and the headlines, but uh, kind of putting the, the love of God into, into action every day. So uh, a heartening message to hear and appreciate your, again, sharing that with us uh, today, Bill. Thanks. I really honor for me to be here. And thanks. Thanks for the conversation. And thanks for everything you're doing to, you know, just reach out to people and and uh, inspire them through uh, through all the all the all the conversations that you bring. It's super important work. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. And when we're not working from home, the show is recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. AMDG is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting Jesuits.org slash weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with the Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>